You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. That's right. Who's dancing now, baby? I'll tell you who's dancing with some new pairs of shoes. Jake and Will. That is me, baby. (laughs) If you had Kansas laying the points... If you had uh, UNC getting the points, if you had the over in the UNC-Duke game, if you had, which I said my favorite bet was uh, the UNC-Duke game to be decided by five points or less, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. So congratulations. Uh, Hopefully you listened to the show yesterday and we helped you win some money. But man, uh, what a great night of college basketball. I tell you that. So as we know, game number one, Kansas took care of Villanova. 81 to 65, and we talked about it uh, at nauseum, right? Like all week long, the loss of Justin Moore for Villanova. This is a team that had a six-man rotation. Now you lose Justin Moore. It's no longer it, it, it's not it's no longer a rotation when you've got five because that's who you're starting. That's who's playing the majority of minutes, and then you're going to a number of guys on your bench that aren't used to playing the number of minutes that they had to play last night. Uh, you know, I thought I thought I thought it was a really savvy move. Uh, for uh, for Jay Jay Wright to to play a little small ball um, against Kansas, and that's that's when you kind of you saw that little surge, right? You saw that little surge from Villanova as we got closer to halftime, and of course as they came out, and then Kansas just too good, too good from downtown. Uh, Thirteen of twenty four from downtown. They had great interior defense as well, and it was just too much for Villanova especially losing their second-best player on the team. Uh, They went 13 for 31 from downtown. Villanova knew that they had to hit those those three-pointers in in order to to keep pace with Kansas, especially the big lead that Kansas came out with. Uh, So midway through the game, it got got interesting, right? Again, we, we saw Villanova getting a little surge there, but... And then, of course, Kansas ran away with it. So now Kansas, again, they take care of Villanova. 81 to 65, they advance. And so now they're sitting back and looking to see, okay, what happens in the UNC Duke game? And I don't know about you. I want to open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. I, just, I feel this UNC Duke game was one of the most entertaining college, just not just college, just basketball games, period, that I've watched. And I had quite a few people over at the apartment last night um, ordered a ton of food, drank a lot of wine, had some fun. And a number of the people that came over, uh, you know, a few of the ladies that came over, not, not basketball fans, do, you know, do not watch NBA, do not watch college basketball, just came over for, you know, uh, because it was, it, was, it was something to do. Obviously, the Final Four, it's an event. It's an excuse to, uh, to have a party, to have some people over. And... And, and this, to me, I'm not sure how you guys feel about this. And, and, and Jake and Will, I'd love for you to chime in here. For me, the sign of a really great game, regardless, whatever sport it is, right? The sign of a really great game is when you have people that are watching that aren't sports fans or don't follow the sport or don't know a lot about the sport but are so invested and are so entertained by what's happening in the sport and how the game is unfolding, that it goes to show you that, wow, 
you know, this, this is, this is, this is something special. We're witnessing something special here. This is a great night. This is a game that, you know, obviously a lot of us aren't going to forget because it was coach K's last game, that Cinderella, that swan song, not the Duke is Cinderella team, but that swan song storyline, unfortunately came to an end against the, the, the ultimate rivalry in college basketball against UNC, against the team that the Dukies hate. And they ended it for Coach K. I mean, just the storylines here are endless. And as we know, UNC won 81-77. to Just out of curiosity, did you guys, I'm assuming you guys watched the game last night, right? Well, good morning, Anita. Yes, I was in the same boat as you. I was with a group of people, and a lot of the people there were not basketball fans, especially college basketball. And the same thing. They were so into the game. And it, no matter what the point of was the game, like no matter if it was the first half, the second half, Every time you looked up, it seemed like the score was tied. And it, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I could believe it because it's been such a long time coming between North Carolina and Duke to finally meet in the March Madness tournament. But it was just an amazing game from start to finish. And you knew uh, from the very get-go that things were going to be a tight game. So, and, and just to your point, right? Neither team led by, seven, by, by more than seven points. Neither team led by more than seven points. There was 18 lead changes, and there was 12 ties. Just to show you just how competitive and even keel this matchup was. Will, same situation for you? Were, were you watching with, with, with anyone who's not necessarily a college basketball fan or a basketball fan at all? Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. Um, obviously, people don't watch every sport, but I always flip it back and forth between, you know, obviously the Final Four and WrestleMania, as as funny as it may sound. But it, I was dialed in to the Final Four game in the last 10 minutes or so of that second half because no team pulled away. And as much as I wanted to see Coach K go out as a champion and you know retire winning a national championship, I mean, talk about St. Peter's being like an underdog story. North Carolina was coming into the tournament as a number eight seed. And here they are now going to the... NCAA championship game. So, you know, credit to them. You know, it it was a crazy, crazy bracket this year for March Madison. I don't think anybody could have predicted UNC going this far. Yeah, Nita, how no. many people do you think in the world have North, unless you went to North Carolina or you're Michael Jordan or you're someone, how many people outside of the North Carolina community really do you think had North Carolina winning it all? I, I think winning it all, I don't know. Very few. I don't know, maybe 3%. Of, of, you know, the country, the world that participated in the bracket, I would imagine maybe 3%, 4%, something like that. Because don't forget, that region was really uber competitive. Um, I didn't, I you know, I, I felt that Baylor was the worst number one seed out of the four. Uh, so I had... I had Baylor losing, but I had UCLA advancing. And don't forget, you had Kentucky. That's the bracket that St. Peter's came out of as well. So um, so that was a really, really, that was I, Murray State. I thought Murray State was going to make some noise in that bracket. Can you imagine? Uh, in, that re, if, in that region, I mean. I was going to say, can you imagine if last night was St. Peter's versus Duke? What would happen? It would have been a very different game for sure. That's, that's. Absolutely. Not only the I mean, outcome, but, but the vibe of the game. Obviously, you know the the rivalry between North Carolina and Duke is one of the greatest in sports in general. And if it was St. Peter's, which is a team a lot of people in New Jersey didn't even know was in New Jersey before the tournament, it would have been such a crazy you know difference of the game if it was St. Peter's. And thinking about that, 
um, the level, you know, the difference. Duke, arguably, you know, the greatest college basketball program ever versus like an underdog. It would have been such a different game, and it just shows how crazy this tournament has been all March. Here, here's the thing. Like, like I tore up my bracket a week ago. Flushed it down the toilet. How many brackets? Maybe, did maybe you that's have? why I needed. Maybe that's why I needed the plumbers to come here with that <laughs> snake. Yesterday. How many did you have? I know you're in a lot of fantasy leagues. How many brackets did you have? Um, I, I want to say that I participated in 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 five five or six okay, pools. In not- each pool, each pool, I had like anywhere between three to four brackets. Okay, so I, I'm three, doing the math yeah. on that. That's actually yeah. So like twenty brackets or so. Something like that. All right, that's a lot. So, so that's a yeah, lot. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I did one. Uh, but so yeah. I, you know, I threw it. I threw it. That's that, that's in, that that ended up in the toilet a week ago. Uh, so, in in all seriousness, I had to have a plumber come here with a snake yesterday, and that's probably why. But um, but regardless, I, I just and you may have lost some money like I did, but nonetheless, the way the way that this tournament panned out. Now you might say. Well, it really would have been better if Duke would have won last night and advanced to take on Kansas. But here's the thing. The UNC-Kansas matchup, to me, is a better matchup. Uh, so, if, if, so, so for example, um, so again, UNC takes care of Duke 81-77. to 77. Um, Baycott was really the biggest factor. You got 21 rebounds. 21 rebounds. Uh, Caleb Love ended up with 28, 28 points and, and uh, of course, a clutch three-pointer at the end. Once he hit that three-pointer, you kind of knew. I knew. I was doing a silly dance around my apartment. Uh, I, was th- I was considering maybe TikToking it. I don't know. I-, I didn't, so don't go look for it. Four players for UNC were in double digits. Uh, Benchero, of course, was uh, in double digits for the Dukies, 20 points, 10 rebounds. That's great for them, but you know, I I thought UNC was the better team coming in. They had more depth uh, defensively. They are long. They're athletic, and they were able to contest and contend with Duke's shooting. You know, really, where I thought Duke really did a great job is is trying to score inside the paint, and uh, and for a while there, again, uh, there was eighteen lead changes. Uh, 20 ties, neither team led by more than seven points. So it was going back and forth. It was such a well played out game. It just, it kept you there. There, there wasn't until, until love hit that three pointer with like, what, how many seconds left? I think there was like 30. Yeah. It was like 13 or 13 seconds seconds left left. or something. Exactly. Until he hit that three pointer, I was nowhere confident. On who was going to win this team, that win this game, like well, he, I, I just wasn't. He's been clutch this entire tournament, and Manic, you know, had a huge three as well. Um, but I think the really beautiful, not it's not beautiful, and obviously a lot of people don't like Duke, so not too many people feel sad for Coach K, even though it is sad because he's such a great coach. But I think the beauty in it is a lot of people, you know, saw this run that Duke was going on and thought, I mean, at least I did. Like, there's no doubt or that Coach K is going to go out on top. Like, this is the, the storybook story that we've all been waiting for. And last night it just showed that it's not easy to kind of, you know, just go out on this into the sunset. We all kind of thought that this was just a given that Duke was going to go out and Coach K was going to go out on top. But last night you really saw that it's extremely hard to do that. And when you see, you know, someone actually 
a great career and then go out on top, it's so rare. And seeing Coach K not be able to do that kind of reminds you that more often than not, you know, you are the loser. Only one team every year in every sport gets to win. So it, it was just fascinating to see, you know, such a brilliant career come to an end to his rival that also beat them in his final home game at Duke. So just a great career, probably not the ending, you know, that he wanted, especially coming to his rival, but it's extremely hard to, you know, go out on top. That's yeah, why I think that we couldn't lose as sports fans either, Adina, right? Like, we either could have had Coach K going to the national championship in his final season, or UNC, who ended his, you know, home season at Cameron Indoor, eliminated him from the playoffs in the final four and go to the national championship game. So I, I think we could not lose as sports fans. Similar, like, to last week, where we either had St. Peter's go to the final four or have a rematch of UNC versus Duke. So I, both storylines fit really, really well. And, you know, unfortunate for Coach K, UNC ended both his last game at Cameron Indoor and the run to the national championship. You guys are absolutely right. There's a lot to dive into. Let's open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. A few, a few thoughts here. Number one, um, are, are you because there were a lot of people who, you know, Duke is that team that a lot of people hate. And I, and I don't use the word hate that often. I'm using it right now, right? Like, they're that, they're that team the majority of people hate. Unless you went to Duke, um, you hate Duke. But there were a number of people who were rooting for Duke because they like Coach K and they wanted to see this uh, swan song continue and possibly him win the national championship. But again, the right team won here because now we're looking forward to Monday night, UNC going up against Kansas. And I'll tell you what, Kansas would have blown Duke out of the water. With UNC... I don't know. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I, I spent some time this morning doing a deep dive, analyzing, uh, looking at some, some statistics. In, in order to beat Kansas, you need to be aggressive on the boards. And UNC is the second best defensive rebounding team in the tournament. There's just Duke would. So I, I guess what I'm saying here is, I, I, and, and we, of course, we'll never know. I really do believe that Duke would have been uh, throttled against Kansas if Duke would have if, if Duke would have uh, won in advanced. So we got the Duke UNC matchup right the the the, the rivalry the storyline. Unfortunately, UNC ends the uh, the the swan song for Coach K. But yet we're blessed because now I'm telling you we've got a great matchup for Monday night. So I, I'm with you, Will. I think it's a win win for us. I, here's here's another question I wanna I wanna throw out. You know, you could you could say that Duke is the most hated. It's a it's a program. It's not an organization. It's not a it's not a franchise. It's a program, right? You could say b- between programs and franchises, we'll lump them in together. You can. It's, I think it's easy to say that Duke is is by far maybe the most hated program slash franchise in sport. Definitely in the top three, with with. With Coach K gone, does it change that narrative? Does it change? Is there is there another team out there now that becomes the most hated franchise slash program in sport? If so, what is it? I'm curious. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you. Uh, we get back. We'll hear from Coach K. Uh, we've got some uh, comments that he made post-game. We'll play those for you as well. We'll open up the phone lines 
and uh, and do a little do a little preview of what's to come Monday night UNC going up against Kansas. Really excited for this matchup. Also, got a great show for you. Little extended show today. We're going until twelve thirty. Mo Hamilton is always going to join us on Sunday at ten a.m. Talk some NBA. Kevin Durant, fifty-five points, career high, but not enough. They still lose to Atlanta, one twenty-two to one fifteen. So where does Brooklyn stand right now? They're locked in for the play-in. They have no shot now to get that sixth seed. So they are part of the play-in, which is really interesting how the seeding is going to pan out in the East for that number two, because chances are, again, we're anticipating, I'm anticipating them to win advance and then take on the number two seed out of the East. Uh, we're going to dive into all of this with Moak. Also, the Knicks, they lose to the Cavs, 119-101. to Okay, uh, big story there. No, not really. Uh, Julius Randle didn't play. Top in 20 points. R.J. Barrett only 12. The bigger storyline here is what's going on in the East uh, in regard to uh, the postseason race and, and, and the seeding, which I think is, is really interesting. So we'll talk to Moak Hamilton about that. Good friend of mine, Jim Duquette, back from Florida. Got to talk about the Mets. Why? Day, back-to-back days with some disappointing news for Mets fans in regard to Jacob DeGrom, now on the shelf because of a shoulder or collarbone issue. And then, um, and then now you've got Scherzer dealing with a hamstring issue. So also the Mets trying to wheel and deal, make some trades, fell through late last night. We'll dive into all that with Jim Duquette and good friend of mine, John Mascari, head pro over at Alpine Country Club, is going to join us at the top of the uh, noon hour and give you a Masters preview. The Masters starts on Thursday. And we're really excited because our golf show kicks off again on Sunday on the tee with Anita Marks, John Mascari, Christina Thompson from Golf For Her, all contributors. We're really excited about it. So the Sunday of the Masters, our golf show will be back in action right here on 98.7 ESPN. So uh, John Mascari will join us then. So a lot to get to. Just how proud I mean, we love them and the brotherhood that they've developed. I mean, they're double champions, regular season, Western regional champs, 32 wins. Are you kidding me? You know, and this is my final year with this team. They, they've been magnificent. I'm, I'm so proud of them and I love them. And uh, so it's, you know, right now it's our responsibility to take care of them and uh, make sure that they're okay. They're, you know, they're really down. You know, and especially younger players will, you know, they'll, they'll look at a free throw and say, I lost the game. And that's the other thing we try to look. One play does not win or lose the game. Don't beat yourself up. You know, we, we had our opportunities. They, they made one more opportunity than us. And, uh, but don't beat yourself up because we wouldn't be here with, without them. You know, they've all done really good things to get us this far. But uh, I love the fact that they feel that bad. And uh, and, and uh, uh, we just have to take care of them. You can just hear it in his voice, uh, Coach K, uh, feeling it for the young men on that team who uh, do feel that they left him down. Let him down not just last night, but keep in mind a few weeks ago, Duke taking on UNC. Um, on their own home court, on senior night, last night for Coach K, home game, 
and and they were disappointing then. That's why I felt UNC was coming in with a little added swag, considering that they were able to beat them on their own home court and put up over 90 points. 800-919-3776. Let's go to your calls. Uh, let's kick it off with uh, GM in uh, in Valley Stream. GM, welcome in. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Anita. I love listening to you. You are phenomenal. On a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 10. <laughs> so, oh, um, nice. Thank you. <laughs> so what I really wanted to jump into, very um, happy for Cuba Davis and UNC, the Tar Heels. Um, and not to be negative, but towards the end of the game, Mark Williams, you, you can't miss both free throws. Just give us one. Now, I haven't followed his story. I don't know him too well. Um, you know, I don't know. I didn't look at his stat line or his numbers throughout the season, but you you, you got to hit one of those three free throws. That changed the end of the game. Uh, for not, you know, it was major, right? So you, you can't ignore yeah, that. Also, and a I lot felt, of times... also, also, I felt him getting into foul trouble affected, right. like, was... you know, I mean, he, he got, he, I, I think he acquired like two fouls early on, like in the first seven minutes of the, of, of the game. Right, right. I mean, he was out of sync. And, you know, again, you're not, every game is not going to be your game. But you, you, you have those two chippies at the end, and I know there's a lot of pressure. My son plays AAU ball. He's only in the eighth grade. And one thing I always tell him is, hey, listen, you don't have to be the hero, but don't be part of the, the, the problem. Not problem in that sense, but contribute when, when, when it's on you. And all he had to do was just hit one, and that would have changed. I think that was more of a dagger than that three. Uh, that um, the gentleman from UNC hit um, <clears throat> that you mentioned who was clutched throughout, you know, the tournament. So I think that was more of a dagger. And I, and not trying to point it on him, but if he were to hit the game winner, then we would be saying something else depending on the situation. So, you know, certain plays do matter. And that, to me, was huge. For sure. Jim, uh, Jim thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. Uh, Emmanuel and Mike, I see you guys. Quick break. We come back. Uh, we just need to get back on our right clock here, considering it's 9.30 in the morning. Uh, we'll continue to talk uh, March Madness as now UNC getting ready to take on Kansas tomorrow night. Going to be a great game. We'll hear more from Coach K. Uh, don't forget, talking some NBA in our second hour, Moe Hamilton's going to join us. What's going on with the Nets? Now they are locked in in that play-in game. Also a lot going on with the Mets. Jim Duquette going to join us at 11 o'clock. Just for my players, you know, I'm, 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 I'll deal with me later. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, for me, my entire time coaching, I always wanted at the end of the year, whatever the last game is, where you're either crying for joy or you're crying for sorrow. Uh, and if you are, that means you've put everything into it. And I have a, a bunch of kids who are crying and I'm proud of them. They've been a joy to coach, and they've played winning basketball, and they did tonight too, but uh, so did the other team. Uh, this uh, segment, I want to remind you, uh, On the Tee with me, Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN is presented by PGA Tour Superstore. It's golf visit, big, biggest season at your New York and New Jersey PGA Tour Superstore is the home of golf pros and beginners with the largest selection of golf clubs, men's, women's apparel, and more. Really excited on the T launches uh, Sunday, this next Sunday, of course, the Sunday of the Masters at 8 a.m. And we are stoked about it. Um, it's our uh, our fourth season 
of On the Tee. So really, really excited about it. We have a, a, a master's preview coming your way at noon this afternoon. That's appointment radio, so stay tuned for that. But we just heard from Coach K. He's talking about his young men who were no doubt in the locker room crying, tears, uh, not only because they didn't advance to, to go on to the championship and take on Kansas, but I'm sure tears because they feel that they let Coach K down. But as he said, this isn't about him. Uh, we've got some callers who want to chime in on the final four. Now that we know what the championship is going to look like, UNC going up against Kansas. Emmanuel in Flushing, welcome in. Good morning, Anita. How are you doing? Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Listen, um, uh, that was a very great game. I, mean, I was actually, I was I was more happy of Hubert Davis uh, who, won it, who won the game more because of he's, he's not just He's not just an ex-tar here, but he's also an ex-Mix. So I'm moving for ex-Mix to do well. Um, I'm also happy for him at the personal level because because he's the, I think he's the first black head coach in, in North Carolina. And if he want, if he wins on Monday, I think he'll become the fourth African American coach to win a national title. I think the first was John Thompson, um, Nolan Richardson, and recently part um, Kevin Alley. So I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy for Davis. Because I think about a year ago, I think nobody expect. I don't think nobody expect Carolina to be back to being in a, a powerhouse. But they're they're, they're forty they're forty eight hours they're over only forty eight hours away to win the whole thing. So I'm happy for. for Coach do you Davis. have Emmanuel? Do you have UNC beating Kansas tomorrow night? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and thank you for the phone call, Emmanuel. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and, and again, I, I just, th- this morning I, I spent like a good hour kind of doing a deep dive into this matchup and, and really what keeps on coming up is, uh, UNC and, and how dominant they are rebounding number two best defense, de- defensive rebounding team in, uh, that, that entered into the NCAA tournament, Kansas Check out these stats. Kansas is 20-0 and against teams that rebound the ball 30 or less times in a game against them. UNC averages 41 rebounds a game, if not more. And as we know, they and we saw it last night, uh, they can definitely hit those three-pointers. They average 10 three-pointers a game. So uh, the, the, the matchup in the makeup of what you need to do in order to beat Kansas – UNC has Duke did not. That's why I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I feel that I feel the way that the storyline here for March madness has, uh, has written this, this, the storybook. And it's about, we're, we're, we're heading into the last chapter is exactly how it should have played out. Cause we had a magnificent game that we witnessed last night. Unfortunate ending to coach K's career that he couldn't go out totally on top uh, finishing in the top four, uh, the final four is something spectacular, let's be honest. But we are on tap for a really great game on Monday night. That's for sure. Uh, but earlier, uh, when I opened up the show, I asked, you know, a lot of people a lot of people hate Duke. I don't use the word hate often. I'll use it here. Hate Duke. But there were a number of people who were rooting for Duke because of Coach K. And now that he's no longer there, uh, you know, will this program continue to have the success that it does? Only time will tell. They've been planning for this for a while. I'm sure that they're going to continue to do well in recruiting. But now that Coach K is gone, maybe Duke falls by the wayside. Who now becomes the most hated team in sport? Let's go to Mike in Jersey. Mike, what say Mike you? In Jersey. Mike, what? Good morning, Anita. How you doing? Great. Great. 
So I uh, love your energy. I love the change of pace on the weekends. I listen all week long. Um, so my thing is with Duke, and I think they're definitely top three. I agree with you. The Cowboys and the Yankees, for as many people that love them, I think there's double the amount of people that hate them. And a big part of that is because you don't even need to be a direct rival with those teams. You still find a way to hate them. Okay, that's <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, listen, you know, there, there was a point in time, and, and again, I just don't want to limit this to, to college sports, right? There was a point in time where, like, the world hated the Yankees, you know, um, and, and, and majority people still do outside of New York, let's be honest, and, and, and half of New York. Um, you know, there was a time I, I was, I, I, I lived and worked in Baltimore, Maryland for a while. Oh man, especially with, with, uh, Ray Lewis. Ah, oh, people hated the Ravens, hated the Ravens. Um, I'm trying to think other, other, other franchises, other organizations, like, uh, listen, when LeBron James left Cleveland and went to Miami, I don't, uh, here's the, I don't know if there was a, a, a team, an organization, a program that was hated more. And I'm curious to get your thoughts here, uh, Jake and Will. Do you feel that there is, if you recall, let's go back when LeBron James was playing for the Miami Heat. Was there a franchise, was there a team that was hated more than the Miami Heat when LeBron James played for them? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, people hate when you're a good team and when you're constantly winning. You know, if you're not one of those winning teams, you're on the outside looking in. And even a, a really likable team like the Warriors a few years ago before they got Kevin Durant, you know, people, even though they were great, people really liked them because they were kind of homegrown. They went through the draft. And then once they added Kevin Durant to that team, that's when you saw them go from this likable team kind of to this hated juggernaut that everyone was kind of extremely jealous of. But that's what you see, you know, the classic, they joke around saying the classic Yankees, Cowboys, Lakers, Duke fan, you know, was very upset last night. But the joke is sometimes real because there are people that like to just root for the fans or the teams uh, that are the best. And usually those teams are close to the very top. 800-919-3776. Let's just, let's, let's let in, before we move on, we're going to talk some NBA. We've got Moke Hamilton, who's joining us at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Let's listen in to, uh, to Davis, head coach of UNC, uh, putting this game behind them and now looking forward to Monday. That's easy. I mean, we're playing for a national championship. We, you know, one of the things that these guys have done a really good job at is celebrating a win but also putting that aside and focusing on the tasks ahead of us. Um, after we played an unbelievable Baylor team, we were able to set our sights on UCLA, and after UCLA, St. Peter's, after Marquette. And, you know, I mean, it was just these guys have been fantastic at uh, – because, you know, I, I want them to celebrate tonight. I, I just do. You know, this is a special moment for them. This is a special moment for our program. So I want them to enjoy themselves. And so that's important, but we have more than enough time to prepare for an unbelievable Kansas team and playing for the national championship. There's, if you're not motivated for that, that's, you shouldn't be playing. Well, I'll tell you what, New Orleans is the place to celebrate. Just don't celebrate too much. Just don't celebrate too much. I lived there for three years. I lived in the French quarter, uh, man. What a time that was. I had an absolute blast. And let me just Uh, say this real quick, Anita, the older I get, and I'm not 
old. I'm I, I'm 28 years old. But mm-hmm. these college sports are just so depressing the older you get because these kids can't even, you know, go out and grab a beer after the game. But they're just so talented, so young. And on the biggest stage, you know, especially guys like, you know, Love last night, they really, you know, they seem to brine the shite. Or, you know, they're just on the biggest stage. They always find a way to perform at their highest level. And last night we certainly saw that. I don't know about you. I had a fake ID in college. I was able to. I was able to have an adult beverage when I was in college. And, I, and I'm sure you know half these guys are <laughs> six foot eight, so I don't know if they're getting you know ID'd once they go places. But my point is, you know, they can barely drink legally. I'll, I'll mention the word legally. Um, and in the biggest night of their life celebrations, you know, all of a sudden you have to get right back into game mode for for Monday. The amount. I'm just. You just took me back. The amount of money that I. I should say the amount of. Of my parents' money that I spent on fake IDs through my four years at college, yes, I was able to get through in four years. Um, was ridiculous. <laughs> not not sure if not sure if mommy mommy. We are not encouraging fake IDs here at ESPN Radio. Just so that we're making it clear, but yes, I think a lot of people also found their way into certain places back in the day for sure. Exactly, exactly. So just be careful. Again, lived in New Orleans for for three years. Uh, It could be a dangerous town, a dangerous city uh, to celebrate in. That's for sure. But nonetheless, just to put a big fat, uh, and I'm going to call it a green bow on this, because if you listened to the show yesterday, we won you a ton of money. uh, and, uh, And hopefully you're playing with house money heading into Monday night. And the line is Kansas minus four and a half. The over under is at 153. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from the over/under because Kansas is the kind of team that, that pick your poison, right? Uh, and, and and pace of play here, by the way, tempo. UNC 32nd in the country. Kansas 64 in the country. But the thing with Kansas is they want to slow it down and play half court basketball. They can. They want to go up up tempo and score in transition. They can. With Kansas, they're the most complete team. They can do whatever they want to you, or they can dictate how they want the game to be played out. So I'm staying away from the from the total, which is 153. But I do like UNC getting the points at plus four and a half, especially the fact that it's it's a it's they're getting they're getting that hook, they're getting that half. Um, I do believe that uh, that this will come down as we get closer to uh, to tip off. Also, I told you my my best bet, my favorite bet last night was that the Duke UNC game would 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 be decided within a five point margin. I, I might play that again in this matchup. Here's why, and I mentioned it just a second ago. UNC. Big against the boards, big off the glass, second best defensive rebounding team in college basketball uh, in Kansas. Uh, they just they they're dominant in the paint. We saw it last night, but I think UNC is going to be able to counter that, especially how good they've been from downtown in their three point shooting. So I do believe Kansas is going to win the national championship, but I do believe UNC is going to cover and I would jump on that plus four and a half right now. Hashtag run, don't walk. Get to that window, people. We come back. Let's talk some NBA. Get you ready. Moke Hamilton's going to join us at the top of the hour. Brooklyn, they lose to Atlanta yesterday, 122 to 115. Trey Young really coming on strong the second half of the season. Is he not? Now the Hawks, five straight wins. He put up 36 points, 10 assists. Um, played a lot of very a much more balanced game in regard to productivity from the variety of players who took the court for the Hawks. Meanwhile, KD, 55 points, a career high. Kyrie put up 31, but Brooklyn still lost. Why? 
uh, no Seth Curry. He was out. Uh, Drummond had 13 rebounds. Uh, that's becoming an, an, an average for him each and every night to, to rebound anywhere between 12, 13, 14 rebounds, which is great. Uh, Kevin Durant had eight three-pointers. A really magnificent night, but couldn't get it done. And is this going to be the storyline for the Nets in the postseason considering Ben Simmons is dealing with a back issue? I think so. So now they have two straight losses, uh, so they are locked in for that play-in game. We'll dive into all that with Moke. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Also, again, Jim Duquette is back from Florida. He's going to join us at the top of the 11 o'clock hour and a lot to get into pertaining to the Mets, right? Like, we reported it yesterday. We talked about it. Unfortunately, Jacob DeGrom is on the shelf in the next four weeks, if not more, uh, because of this uh, collarbone issue and then... Right after that, literally when we got off the air yesterday around noon, it was reported that Scherzer now is dealing with a hamstring issue. Now, apparently not so severe, um, but it doesn't look like he's going to be your opening day starter. Bassett more than likely, Bassett is, 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 is more than likely going to be your opening day starter against the Nationals. Um, and also a, a deal that the Mets were trying to work out, a trade, fell through uh, in the 11th hour last night. So we'll tee that up for Jim Duquette as well and find out his thoughts on what the Nets, what the Mets need to do moving forward. So a lot to dive into with you. Anita Marks here on this Sunday Funday. I, I, I don't know about you guys. I love, like, to me, opening day is one of the most fun days of the year. We right? got, some, we got like, some bad news, Anita. Uh, you do regarding opening day and uh my Uh-oh. buddy will in the studio today actually is the one that mentioned it to me we're both here you know die hard yankees fans right looking forward to thursday in the bronx and if you look at the weather forecast Mm-mm. uh we maybe are not going to be looking at opening day on thursday and i'm going to knock on wood you might be able to hear it in the studio i actually knocked on wood and this just goes to a thing i've been saying for years i don't know if you feel the same way with all the billions of dollars that they make these new stadiums, especially when they knocked down the legendary Yankee Stadium that had so much history there, when they created this new Yankee Stadium, why not just put a dome? Why not? What's I, I believe any new stadium that's created needs to be a dome. If we can prevent our great-grandchildren from ever having to sit in a rain delay or a, a rain out, I would love to do that. I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but if we can prevent it in the future, we should do it because at this point, you know, the, we have enough delays with COVID and other things going on. You know, the weather is the last thing that we really want to have to worry about. So hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully we do see Yankees Red Sox on Thursday, but the weather in the Bronx right now, if you look on Thursday, not looking too good. And what what is, is I mean not that not that you guys are meteorologists but I'm sorry go ahead Will I'm I'm gonna I, I have this great app by the way not sure if you guys it's it's the weather bug I highly recommend you they download said 90%, it ninety percent I I believe for for Thursday and that's just from the Apple weather app that's on my phone but going off of what Jake said this is why the owners during the lockout wanted the season to start in May because of all the rainouts that they have and us as fans, we didn't want that. We wanted April baseball to be here sooner sooner rather than later. But this is what the owners didn't didn't want to happen. Have a have a game play on April seventh in the Bronx and at, you know and in flushing with the Mets play and have it be 45 degrees, rainy, damp and, and overcast. And this is why they wanted the season to start later. So I I would Jake just just put domes on every stadium to you know to avoid this issue because baseball is the only sport that literally gets delayed by weather unless there's a, a you know of course a blizzard or like a tornado but 
it's like enough enough already. It seems like every opening day we have, it's either rain, you know, it's it it, it it's just bad weather. It seems like every single year. I don't I don't know if I'd say dome because uh, let's be honest, there's nothing better than you know. Uh, Going to a stadium, taking in a baseball game, uh, you know, like a retractable on, roof. On a, exactly. I, I, yes. Exactly. That. 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 Yes. I, I'm not a big fan of of Major League Baseball games being played in domes. I, I think, um, I think it takes away from the the experience of what you know. To, to me, I always like. I don't like going to to, to football games. Like in, in regard to attending live sporting events that's a little bit of a shock you're such a big football fan i am but i don't like i don't like going to i don't like going to to football games i like i like being home football on tv is great i've got five tvs going i've got the red zone channel i've got the jets on i've got the giants on i've got the best game on at the one o'clock and the four o'clock i've got a ton of tvs going i'm i'm obviously gambling on every game and every player and i've got a whole system it's 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 and i can't do that if i'm at a game so i don't so I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I like watching a game at home. Um, and trust me, it's, it's, it's the Anita experience. I love going to a baseball, an, an evening baseball game. I love a nice going, summer night. Yes. A Friday night baseball it. game is amazing. But to the retractable roof point, I actually, when I was really young back in 2002, uh, I have family in Chicago. So we went out there. Uh, my dad and my uncle actually surprised myself and my cousins with tickets to the 2002 uh, MLB All-Star Game, which actually ended up being kind of historic in a weird way because it was the only tie uh, ever in uh, All-Star Game history. But the coolest thing about the stadium, which was in Milwaukee, American Family Field, is it had the retractable roof. And at one point, all of a sudden, we felt it drizzling on ourselves. And we're like, oh, no, it's about to rain. And then we looked up. And we just see the retractable roof slowly starting to shut. And we thought it was just the coolest thing because, you know, you can enjoy a nice summer game. Or if it starts to rain, then you can just put the roof up. And I'm not necessarily so concerned with, you know, cold or rainy games in April or May. But, you know, for a sport to decide their most important games, the playoff games, the World Series, arguably, you know, in freezing cold weather in a sport that's not really supposed to be played in freezing cold weather could be a concern and yeah New York in October is cold can you imagine if the Colorado Rockies I know they're far away from a World Series but if they do make a World Series in the next decade can you imagine what those games would be like how cold it would be to be sitting in Colorado in October or November it's it's I mean obviously the, the decision-making process in regard to how the schedule pans out and, and mother nature does not bode well for major league baseball. That's for sure. By the way, my weather bug weather app for Thursday, April 7th says, uh, the high is 53 and, uh, and, and rain is 70%. So, uh, so that's not good. Uh, again, the Yankees getting ready to take on the Red Sox. One Oh five is first pitch, at least expected to be, and of course, the Mets taking on the Nationals. That first pitch is at 4:05. Some other games on Opening Day: the Brewers against the Cubs, uh, Guardians against the Royals, Mariners against the Twins, Pirates against the Cards, Reds against the Braves at eight o'clock. And that's going to be on ESPN two, by the way. Astros against the Angels, Padres against the Diamondbacks, and then of course on Friday, uh, you have a whole slew of games as well. So, um, but again, like I said, to me, Opening Day is one of the most fun. 
And I've been to opening day for both the Yankees and the Mets quite a few times. And, uh, and also when I was in Baltimore, I lived in Baltimore, Maryland for a few years. And so um, that's always fun. I mean, you know, the Orioles just absolutely suck. But um, Camden Yards to me is one of, I think you can, you can rank Camden Yards as top three, top five in regard to Major League Baseball stadiums. Oh, it's amazing. And just really in the, quick. In the country. I, I love Camden Yards, but opening day is great, and we're talking about this weather. Do you remember back in 1996 with the Yankees where it actually snowed on the field for opening day? There's video of just the players out with snow coming down. And I thought it was actually really cool because you don't really see that that often with snow flurries you know, coming down during a, a baseball game. But in the future, if we can avoid that and just have you know nice weather games, that would probably be best for everybody. But Camden Yards... Uh, if you have not been there, um, I certainly recommend it because it is one of the nicest. Not the best team necessarily that plays there, uh, but the stadium is incredible. Going off of Jake's point, like there's nothing like going to a baseball game in October, you know, whether it's the Yankees or the Mets, and having like the October fall, you know, brisk weather feel in the air, knowing you're watching playoff baseball. Kind of like getting ready, like for for like the sweater weather, and then going to watch NFL football like the next day. So that's why. I could understand like the no dome part, but like Jake just said, it was snowing in '96. It was also snowing last year for the Cleveland uh, Indians, who who are now the Guardians, and the Detroit Tigers. It was snowing in Detroit last year in April. So uh, obviously, the weather is a factor right around opening week. Guys, some breaking news here: Mark Feinsand is reporting that uh, Sean Manea has been traded from the uh, Oakland A's to the San Diego Padres per source. And I know that was a name that potentially um, could have been. Uh, I think a, the a Mets, and the, yeah, the Mets and the Yankees both wanted him. Yankees fans especially, right. but with the the Degrom injury and Scherzer possibly, you know, having this. I know they're saying it's precautionary, but. A lot of people are a little concerned with that, and the Mets already made a trade with Oakland for Bassett, uh, which you've mentioned a few times today. But yeah, Yankee fans really want another great starting pitcher behind Garrett Cole. Oakland certainly has some great pitching, and Sean Manaya, a guy that Yankees have been linked to for quite some time, as you just mentioned, traded to the Padres. And yeah, some big news. So that's another guy that the Yankees are missing out on. But I, I wonder... You know, I, and, and keep in mind, you know, the reports, uh, Andy, Andy Martino, who, of course, has been on the show quite often, was reporting last night that there was there was potentially a deal in place where the Mets were going to trade Dom Smith to the Padres in in return for Paddock, um, as well as Pagone. So uh, and Hosmer as well. But Hosmer then would would be flipped to another team. So very, very interesting if, of course, this is accurate and this gets confirmed. <laughs> Anita Marks, it is uh, Sunday Fun Day. With you until twelve thirty, leaning into the, uh, the the Bucks game, Bucks and Mavs. That should be a good one, right? In uh, this uh, portion of the show, brought to you by Weissman Bourbon from Kentucky Owl. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. Uh, Fun way we find out what is trending at 1136 on this Sunday morning. Our producers, Jake and Will, lead the way in regard to uh, topics out there. 
So, um, and headlines, I should say. Uh, so, gentlemen, lead the way. What you got for us? Well, good afternoon, Anita. The first topic we have is another one bites the dust. Okay. I have a feeling I know this is where this is going. We've talked about it for the majority of the show. Yeah, I'm clicking. I don't know if you know. We did talk a lot about, you know, the March Madness, NBA, MLB. So I thought we'd go a little bit different and talk a little bit NFL really quickly. And when I say another one bites the dust, what I really mean is another wide receiver is off the boards that potentially could have went to the Jets and really made a difference. This time it's Devontae Parker. The Patriots acquired Miami Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker for a 20, oh no, Devontae Parker and a 2022 fifth round pick in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. And we've already seen a lot of wide receivers get traded this offseason. Tyreek Hill, of course, went to the Dolphins, which is kind of the reason why the Dolphins now feel like they can afford to let Parker go. We've also seen Devontae Adams to the Raiders. And, you know, a lot of Jets fans think that they should get their young quarterback some type of weapon so they could see what they really have. And I know there's been names uh, out and about. Devontae Parker was a name that you kind of heard floated around. DK Metcalf is certainly a guy. Anita, who do you think that the, do you think there's anyone left for the Jets to get, or is DK Metcalf that guy? Well, well time out. First things first. I thought you were the, the headline is Another One Bites the Dust. Did you think I was talking about the Queen song? I, I thought you were talking about Scherzer. <laughs> Well, we, we did mention thought, before, you know, that the Mets have had injuries left and right. So far, we don't necessarily know how bad his injury is going to no, be. No, I, I, I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, when you said that, that headline, I was not thinking NFL. I was thinking the Mets and Scherzer or DeGrom, but nonetheless, okay. <laughs> well, that's we've the beauty of click or don't click. You never know what right. you're going to get. Exactly. So now we've established that, that this, is a, this is an NFL story. Um, you know, I, I just, who, so, so who out there, who out there is available? Is it DK Metcalf? I, I know a story that I'm sure doesn't sit well with, with Jets fans is the fact that Tyreek Hill was given the option, given the opportunity to come here to New York to play for the, the Jets or Miami. Apparently, Kansas City was happy with both trade deals and both trade offers and said, all right, hey, it's up to you. Uh, this is, you know, behind door A or behind door B. And he said, for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, it was it, it, like, it wasn't even like, uh, didn't even have to give it a second thought. It was all, it was Miami. That, that, that's got to sting a little bit, you know, it, it really does. Um, you know, and I, and I know Miami is in a, in a situation, obviously it's Miami, although I'm from Miami. People ask me all the time, why don't you, why do you, why are you up here? It's cold. I love it up here. I'd rather be up here in New York than Miami. I just would. Um, and granted, I, I, I was born and raised down there. I go down there quite frequently. So if you're not familiar with it, you don't live down there, whatever. And I'm sure it's a different situation when it comes to professional athletes because of the tax situation. They don't have to pay taxes like we do here, which is ridiculous. Uh, on and on and on. But nonetheless, um, I, I, I just, just does, can't sit well with, with Jets fans to hear that. Who I, I'm just I'm trying to think. You threw out some names of, yeah, of some, I, I know uh, DK, some wide receivers I, that are I, still available. Who are they? I know DK Metcalf has been the guy that everyone has kind of mentioned, but it's got to be extremely frustrating for, for Jets fans because for all this time, Jets fans have been waiting for Tom Brady to leave the division and which team will now step up. Well, the Bills we know are a juggernaut and are not going away anytime soon. And it really seems like the Dolphins are that team that kind of replaced the Patriots. And the Patriots, who are now going through this rebuild, seem to somehow be ahead of the Jets. 
while they're doing this rebuild. So it can't be, you know, too great for Jets fans seeing Brady finally step down. It seems like the division is now up for grabs, and somehow the Jets still find themselves kind of last in the division. Right. Um, you know, here, here's, here's the positive. I know we're spending a lot of time talking about free agency, uh, but here's the positive, and that is this is a Jets team that is, has a lot of draft capital. And this is a very, very deep draft, especially when it comes to the wide receiver position. So if the Jets don't, you know, uh, land somebody, uh, somebody else uh, to add to this roster in regard to free agency at the wide receiver position, whether it's by trade or signing or whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, they're, they're in a really good position where I think that, you know, they're going to, they are definitely going to add some talent. I would imagine Joe D is going to add some talent to the wide receiving core in this draft. I, I don't doubt that. It's what time, else do you guys It's got? time for Joe Douglas to definitely step up. Will, what do you got for us? So I have one. It's, it's an interesting story and kind of like a funny end to it. But last night the Yankees made a trade for a catcher for the Texas Rangers, Jose Trevino. Uh, they traded away Albert Abreu and Robert Allstrom. Um, but that's not the story. Uh, the story is, is that Robert Allstrom found out he was traded um, on social media when a Yankees like fan page posted about the trade. And they were like, best of luck in Texas. And he goes, wait, what? Then they replied back, you've just been traded. And he goes, I did, question mark. So social media is big now. And he just found out he was traded from the Yankees to Texas on social media. Wow. Isn't that amazing? You know, how like how, how far we've come and, and where we are. I'll never forget when, when I first came to New York, it was about 11, 12 years ago. I worked, I worked on the fan. Uh, Mark Chernoff brought me up here from Baltimore and I was working on, um, I was working at the fan. I was uh, doing overnights on the fan. I was also the fantasy football channel on Sirius XM had just launched. I was doing work there and I was part of the Giants broadcast team doing the pre and post game shows uh, with, uh, with, with Paul Latino. So, and I'll never forget. I was, I was incorporating my Twitter on my shows and I was just like, hit me up on Twitter. If you don't want to call in, if you can't call in, um, hit me up on Twitter. I'll read your tweets. And I'll never forget Mark Chernoff called me in his office. And he's like, what's this Twitter thing? <laughs> he said, um, he said, why? He said, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think you should be using it in your shows. <laughs> and I was like, what? So, um, it's just like, you know, where, how far we've gone from that to where we are right now. And how really new this is this is this is where this is where news is broke. You need to be on Twitter, and you are more so than um, you know uh, calling out a, a network. You're you're finding out everything on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. And another thing is is professional athletes more so. I know you're talking about a professional athlete who's finding out that he was traded on on social media, but more than anything. Athletes are, are being able to control their narrative on social media, which I'm sure that they love. It's just it's, it's, it's amazing how far we've come in a decade. Right. And Anita, a lot of it, like a, a lot of it now. Yes. Like the general manager calls like the player to tell them, hey, you've been traded. But 
a lot of the times, like these insiders, like the Jeff Passons and like the Adam Schefters, the minute they find something out, like through an agent or like through a source, they're putting it on social media. So they're the ones that find out before the players even find out. You go back, like back in the, like the '80s and the '90s and the early 2000s, you know, you had to wait maybe a day or, or two days for a trade or a free agency signing to be broke because they got to notify the players, they got to notify the league. Now they're telling us it's close to being finalized before they even contact the league that a trade or signing has been made it's just crazy it, it is it really is you and guys have anything and you I guys just, have anything and just to hop on that it's not just you know that was that story was about a minor league you know baseball player being traded bobby wagner who's one of the best defensive players in all of nfl actually tweeted out when he got you know released from the seahawks he tweeted out crazy part about all this i played there for 10 years and i didn't even hear it from them that i wasn't coming back and that kind of blows my mind that, you know, players, these big-time players that have been with franchises and organizations for almost a decade don't even hear from the team that they're being released. And, you know, he ended up getting a better deal going to the Rams than playing with the Seahawks. But still, like, a guy like Bobby Wagner is hearing it is a little weird to me. And the last thing we have is just a little bit of a sad note. I saw it on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you know, a lot of people get their news from Twitter. I certainly do. I haven't read a newspaper in a long time, but I do read Twitter every morning when I wake up. And the first thing I saw this morning was very sad. Estelle Harris, who's the actress known for playing George Costanza's mom on Seinfeld, passed away this morning. Uh, she, yeah, she was. I just started watching Seinfeld. Uh, my dad has been disappointed in me that it took me so long, but I started watching a year ago and it quickly became one of my favorite shows ever. And she uh, quickly became one of my favorite characters, constantly having me, uh, you know, laugh uh, out loud, which is hard to do when you watch a TV show or movie. She was very funny. She was also, you know, the role of Mrs. Potato Head in all of the Toy Story <laughs> films. So uh, she will be greatly missed. And, uh, Rest in peace to a legend. She was, you know, a phenomenal actress. Thank you for sharing. Any anything anything final before we uh, we we take a break, guys? In regard to what's trending, seems like that's about it for today. Okay, all right. Uh, this concludes. Uh, click or don't click. Again, a, a fun way we find out what is trending uh, at eleven forty six a.m. on this Sunday. You're listening to Anita Marks on ninety eight point seven ESPN.